When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Good day, everybody, and thanks for joining in with us on the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. I'm Steve Vandegraaff. I'll be with you today along with Dr. Justin J. Dog Short. Justin, how are you today? Doing good, Steve. Thanks for asking. How are you good. doing? I'm doing great. Instead of asking you what you did this week, I have a more random question for you. Okay. I was wondering if you ever in your life have sung in a choir because you have a very nice, deep baritone voice. I do have a very nice baritone voice. And no, I have beat up a few guys that are actually in choirs, but (laughs) that's about it. No, I think like I went to a Lutheran private grade school and I think you had to be in a choir there. But like when it was my choice, no, I've never been in a choir. I know I seem like a guy that's probably been in a lot of choirs, but <laughs> oddly enough, no, I have not. Yeah. How about you? You sound like the church choir type. Um, similar when I was little, but no. I just thought having listened to Academy over the last week, I just thought that. And so anyways, you can all enjoy his voice today while we go through this. We are on part three of three on how to train your team. Are you ready to jump into it, Justin? Ready. Cannot wait. Cool. So we're finishing our mini series and I just wanted to maybe boil down a quick little summary of our last two in case you hadn't listened to them. In a nutshell, you know, your bulleted Reader's Digest points here. First, we talked about when training and leading your team, it all begins with you as the owner and the leader. Your vision, your ability to move people where you want will determine your level of success. If your team is performing well, patients are loving their experience at the practice, your office is productive, the office has a positive vibe and people are laughing at work, kudos to you. You are doing well as a leader because that's not an accident. It doesn't just happen. On the other hand, if your office is something less than any one of those things, then that is not your team or your patient's fault. It comes back to, unfortunately, you and your leadership. You can, however, improve your leadership. You can do it by studying, role-playing, practicing, and getting a mentor. We talked about some of those things. So the first part is stepping up and accepting the responsibility and mantle. In the next episode, we talked about actually how to have a meeting, the nuts and bolts. First, you got to block off your schedule. This can be hard, but just do it. Usually after lunch or on a day off, get the phones covered so you're not interrupted. Then you determine the topic of that day by making a list of the things that are off or things that need improvement in your office and start with the topic that will make the biggest difference. Try to do one topic, maybe two at a time, and then prepare a solid training. Don't just wing it. Study this out and prepare. Make handouts. To help make changes stick, explain when you train how something should be done and then demonstrate it yourself. And then have your employees or your team members role play and try it. And then after they do, you critique and give them feedback. This method is important because 
We as people learn by imitation and then lots of repetition. So if you want to learn more and go into more depth, please listen to our last two podcasts. I think a lot of it can be chalked up to just being intentional. You know, it takes more work to be intentional, but so does being extraordinary at anything. You know, if you wanted to work four to five days a week and make 300000 that's probably doable for most dental practice owners. But if you want to work three days a week and take home 800 to a million plus, then obviously that takes more work, but it's possible. And our goal with this podcast, coaching or anything else we do, is not to convince you that you should want more, but to just show you what is possible and help those that say, I want that or I want more, even though the average people practicing around me are content with being average that, yes, if I want it, I can achieve it if I'm willing to put in the work to get there. Nice. And if you're listening to us today, you're probably in that second group. So we wanted to wrap up this uh, series on training your team with a couple more items that we didn't cover before that can really help. And Justin, one thing I wanted to talk about first would be what to do when you're doing your training, you know, you're trying to get your team where you want them to be, but you experience pushback from your team. Steve, are you saying that everything you want to do in your office or the changes you want to make don't always have your team jumping up and down with excitement? That's weird. I know, believe it or not. Anyone that's tried to do training understands that this comes up fast. It's likely you're going to get pushback whenever you introduce probably anything new or really anything that's significant. And that's understandable because our staff, like us, we're people and we're kind of creatures of habit. We don't like change. New in your team's mind may, in their thought process, mean extra work or suggest maybe they've been doing something wrong. So it's a little threatening to them. But just be prepared when you do this, you're going to have resistance. If people raise concerns, I would first recommend listen to them. Sometimes they'll actually have great suggestions. If you feel you really need to implement something and you get pushback, but you don't really think their suggestion is so helpful and you want to go ahead with what you've planned, I think it could be helpful to say something like, I understand your concerns and I can see where you're coming from. In fact, I really appreciate you raising that because it shows you care. But this is something that I believe can really help improve our practice and treat our patients better. So it may be new, but I'd like to try this as a team going forward. And, you know, if it's ineffective, then we can reevaluate it in a few weeks and make any adjustments if we need to. Then, you know, if you put it that way, when they raise concerns, they feel heard but you still get to implement your new system. And most of the time, if you're doing it right, there's going to be an obvious improvement in the area where you're trying to fix things. And staff, they'll see it, they'll see the change, and they'll get on board. What do you think about that approach, Justin? Well, obviously, you're right. You're always right, Steve. But, you know, I think as a leader and business owner, you have to understand that you and your team are naturally, in some respect, always at odds. As a business owner, we had the innate desire to get the best performance for the least amount of money. As an employee, you want to do the least amount of work for the most amount of money. That's just life. But a good leader is going to find a way to combat that through leadership and strategery, which can come in the form of maybe bonus structure, praise and encouragement, 
and not being wishy-washy about the moves you need to make in your business. Most of the time, that's going to work, but there will always be team members who you can't motivate or train. And then you, again, you have to be the leader and make a move and do what you have to do. One thing that you mentioned, which I don't personally like in all situations, granted it's not a right or wrong type of thing, it's just preference, is informing them if something doesn't work, then we'll change it. Because in my opinion, if you're giving them an out, you're giving them an opportunity to sabotage consciously or subconsciously and make sure it doesn't work if they don't want to do it. Here are a couple examples. If you have a hygienist who's always had an hour for recalls, but they were never really good or they never really did much co-diagnosis or offering fluoride treatments or asking for reviews and referrals in the manners that we suggest. And now you ask them to start doing these things after you've trained them, like we suggest in the previous episode, and they say, well, I always use my entire hour. There's no way I'm going to get all this new stuff incorporated and still be done in an hour, which is a real life scenario. Those questions pop up. And if you go in saying, well, hey, we're just going to try it. If you can't get it all done, we'll scrap the idea. Guess what happens? It doesn't get done. In that same situation, I'm not giving them the option of failure. I'm letting them know nicely that as a hygienist in my office, this is what's expected. And I know there are plenty of hygienists around the country who can do all that well within an hour. So I know it can be done. There's no option. There's no, I hope you can get it done, or it's more of this is what you need to do. This is what's expected of this position in this office. And I know we may end up touching on this point again, but that point is confidence. Even if you're not fully confident, you have to project confidence in your office, whether it's in treatment planning or training your team. Because if they sense or smell that your resolve has weakness, it's over. They will pick that gap apart until you're curled up in the fetal position over in the corner. And I tell my clients, you can be not confident and cry all the way home every day if you want to. But at the office, you project confidence in all you do. And if you try something and it doesn't work, you can confidently switch directions. But the point is, there are probably several things in your office that you'd like to change. You have to confidently make those changes. It's requirements, not suggestions in most cases. Not because you want to be a jerk or a bully, but because you have a business to run and you have a job and a livelihood to provide for those team members. And the better your business runs, the better your life gets and the better the life of your team gets. I promise you, you may have not gotten to that point, but that's how it works. You know, I don't tell my kids to slow down and look both ways when riding their bike out of our driveway into the street because I want to be a killjoy or I don't want them to have fun and go fast. It's because I care for them and I know what's best for them. So in regards to your team, it's not a, hey, I think it'd be cool if we tried to build each other up in the office if you guys ever want to or if you ever think about it. No, that will do nothing for you. But it's a, hey, we're going to start building each other up in this office. This is how we're going to do it. Every single time a new patient calls our office from here to eternity, 
whoever answers the phone is going to say, after you get their name, Steve, we're glad you called us and you called the right office because you are going to love Dr. Short. He's a wonderful dentist and takes great care of our patients. Hygienist, before you come to get me for the exam on a new patient, you're going to ask the patient if they've met me, even if you know they haven't and then say something nice about me. For example, Steve, I'm going to get Dr. Short for your exam. Have you met him yet? No? Oh, you're really going to like him. He does a great job. Now we went over it. Now we're going to practice. And here we go. I'm a new patient. Ring, ring. Steve, you answer the phone. And say something nice about me right now. Get used to it. Yeah, do it. Do it. What do you mean you can't say nothing nice about me, you son of a... But you get the point. I'm not saying, hey, guys, I I think we should maybe try this sometime. Or if you think about it, let's try this. Or, you know, let's try it for a few patients and then forget about it after that. No, I'm telling them, this is what we're going to do. This is how we do it. Let's practice. All right. Now you do it every time. That's it. Awesome. And I think sometimes if you get resistance to your training or implementing some new vision with your staff, it's probably not because your ideas aren't good. It's likely because there may be other problems that are going on or maybe divisions within your team. And that will always, always result in pushback. And I think this leads to a second point of training and building the team you want, which I want to talk about, which is conflict resolution. From my experience and what I hear from others, other docs out there, is that often there's disunity or drama or some type of resentment among team members in our practices. And if these divisions exist, you're not going to be able to take your team to the next level. And all your training and effort is not going to be very effective unless these issues are solved. We all know that there's a million little problems that can happen that cause tension between whether it's the front desk and the clinical staff, between the hygienists and the assistants, between older staff and younger staff. I mean, you all know this. There's a lot of things that can happen, but I think it's really important just to stamp out these conflicts as soon as they arise. A problem with one person or a problem between two people, you need to take care of those before you go to your entire team and work with the whole group. If one person has a problem, but you have a team meeting and then speak in generalities, it's going to go right over that person's head. So you need to address it directly in private. If there's an issue between two people, you need to pull both of them aside and work through it. You don't play this in-between role where you listen to an employee complain about something that another person did, and then you go to that other person and then try to hear their story and work it out and then go back to the other. No, no, no. You get them together like adults. You sit them down and you get them talking to each other. Rock them, sock them robots. You guys are going to work out and hash out any problems together right now, right here. You know, say something like, Jane and Melissa, I need to speak with you guys together. You go to a private room. Jane and Melissa, I've felt that there is tension between you guys regarding how we do our closing tasks or in how we pull our patients back to be seated or whatever. I need you guys to talk together openly right here with me so we can iron this out and then get back together working as a team. Because at our office, It's our standard in our culture that we treat our patients and our team members with 100% respect. Now, this may suddenly be awkward for them, you know, but if someone has a beef with another team member or if they go underground, your team, it's not at its best. 
and that problem will get worse if it's not addressed. So these talks, then why they might be hard, they will likely result in much stronger relationships and indefinitely better performance. Then if you have these individual problems that are causing an issue worked out, you can now bring your whole team together, sell your vision to the team, have a staff that's all for one and one for all where they're working together. I really feel like conflict resolution skills, it's just a big part of leadership. I mean, how do you respond to problems between people? Can you bring them together? Or do you look the other way and let tension or resentment destroy your team? Do you let one staff member get away with terrible performance and not call them out on it and piss off the rest of your team members? So it's kind of up to you. You're setting the standard. You know, this is kind of funny because sometimes I feel like when I have to do this at work, I'm like stopping a fight or something. And then I come home and I spend all my time at my house working out disagreements with my kids. It's like I'm a parent all the time. But it's not a fun thing. But conflict resolution, I think it's an important skill to master. And you have to have your team on board and the culture where you need it in order for any of this training to really stick. Justin, do you have any tips in here? I mean, you're probably like, what? I've never run into that before in my office or with my kids. I don't know what this guy's talking about. You're right. Personally, personally, I've never experienced it, but let's just say that I had. And one thing I want to add to what you were saying, you briefly just kind of touched on something. I want to make sure everyone got it is that you can get by with, you know, let's say, you know, or everyone in your office knows so-and-so and so-and-so has a beat, but for the most part, they keep it under wraps. It doesn't really bother your day to day too much. That's not what's going to take you to the next level. You may get by with that and you may survive, but you're not going to thrive when you have those things in your office. So you need to address them head on and hash them out and get to the bottom of it. And maybe you've got to let one or both of them go, but something needs to be done because if not, you're living in this subpar life and it's going to hold you back. But let's try to boil it down to the principles we believe in. Two things jump out at me here. Number one, you get what you tolerate. If you tolerate a team that fights, bickers, et cetera, most of the time, that's what you're going to get. Number two, confidence. Again, you're exactly right. If it happens, you need to get them in your office ASAP. Get them to figure it out and let them know it will not be tolerated in the office again. And if it does happen, you will be getting people in here who can get along. Capiche? Also, you're right that I'm not going to bring the whole team into that meeting. But if the team was aware of what's going on, you know, let's say they were having a loud beef or if everyone just knows so-and-so and so-and-so don't get along, I'm going to use that as a training opportunity with the whole team so they know my stance. Hey, everyone, I know we had a little drama in the office earlier. I'd like everyone to know that it's been addressed and that it will not be tolerated in this office again. I will not have a team that argues or causes drama in this office for all of our sakes. So just a heads up, if there is a legit issue, come talk to me. Otherwise, work it out kindly between yourselves, but arguments or bickering will not be tolerated here under any circumstances. You got to be clear. You got to lay down that law. You don't have to be ignorant, but they have to know where your line is. If not, they're going to cross that line. Awesome. Number three, the last principle I thought would be helpful is empower your team. So it's helpful 
to empower your team members to not be dependent on your leadership. For most training, I like my staff to do things in a specific, particular way. This is how we speak to our patients about treatment. This is how we do a handoff, etc. And I'm going to teach and demonstrate and then have them role play all of these things. But there are a lot of other tasks in the office that can be empowering to team members to take the lead on in training each other. Maybe things that are not so critical that you need to be the one leading this. For example, if you want to cross train and you need your assistants to learn some front desk tasks, have your front desk show them the ropes of how to collect payments, how to schedule, how to verify insurance, whatever it is. And then likewise, go ahead and have your assistant show your receptionist how to come in the back and do some instruments or break down an op in case at the end of the day, we're running behind and she needs to chip in. These things can save you time and energy so you can focus on more valuable training. But also, if they're teaching each other, they feel ownership and pride over their responsibilities. And they can understand and respect more what the other staff does. Also, if a team member comes up with an idea, hear them out and try to say yes as often as you can. Don't we love it when somebody presents a solution rather than a problem? We do love that. So emphasize those when they come up with these helpful suggestions. Now, obviously, sometimes the idea is going to be like stupid. And you can say, you know, I can see where you're coming from. But I think we're going to keep doing what we're doing right now because it's working pretty well. But oftentimes, they're going to come up with little ways or little patterns of doing things that can really improve and grow your system. And they're more likely to get something done if it was their idea in the first place. So listen to your team, involve their thinking and ideas in improving your practice to help empower your employees. Yep, that's next level leadership. And similarly, the best way to increase the behavior you want to see more of is to call it out and praise it. That hygienist who didn't think she could get it all done in an hour, when she does, say, hey, that was great. Well done. I appreciate you pushing yourself, etc. Same thing in regards to building each other up. That example we went over earlier. Steve, I heard you on the phone earlier with that new patient. That was excellent. Thanks so much for doing that. And I cannot overemphasize it enough. A leader praises their team to encourage the behaviors you want to see more of and to genuinely thank them for acting on the things you've trained on. Also, when you do this, it makes it much easier when you need to give them constructive criticism. You don't want to be the boss whose team thinks, uh, I've been working hard on all the things we've been training on with no acknowledgement, but as soon as I do the slightest thing wrong, they're all over me like a cheap suit. You don't want to be that guy or girl. <laughs> like a cheap suit. Right? So remember, when you implement something new, there is going to be pushback. But hold on to your vision, be confident and bring about the change that you want to see. Get your team on board. Next, if there's problem, remember that conflict resolution, while it may not be your favorite thing, it's a part of your job as the owner. So handle problems in a professional way and create the culture between your employees and team members that you want to have. And then last, empower your team, involve them in growing and improving your practice. Remember, underneath all of this, that your leadership is number one. This comes back to you. It's the biggest factor in determining your level of success. Yep. So put in the work, carve out time to train your team, 
solve problems and get the most out of your team to help them be effective and confident. And then remember, if you create a killer team, the whole reason we're talking about this, it'll allow you to earn the profit, to have the finances and the schedule that you want in your life. It's truth. And remember, project confidence. Wishy-washy leadership is not leadership. That's being a... <laughs> How did you make that sound? I that was can't great. Oh, that was good. All right, guys. On that note, if you've liked this podcast, please give us a shout out and some stars. We really rely on peer reviews for us to grow and continue to put good content out there. And if you don't like the podcast, then you probably wouldn't have listened this far into it anyway. So that's not for you. Remember, we are always available. Derek, Justin, Steve at thelifestylepractice.com. And with that, stay healthy and safe until next week. Peace. Should we climb in? Tooth and nail till I'm at the top. Jump without a net, never break a sweat. Cause I live my life like it's all I got.